When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football. Come back as we continue here. Kevin Clark uh, rejoins us. Uh, had a great conversation with him a couple weeks ago. Kevin, thanks so much uh, for being here. Kevin came on about three weeks ago and had the nerve, and I mean the nerve, to give us some reasons why Michigan was going to win the game. Kevin, what's up, and uh, what did you think on Monday? Uh, I was surprised at how the game went, frankly. Um, I thought that this was the first modern college football playoff with the portal and NIL and all the effects that we'd see on the field, uh, but I, I was surprised, uh, even though I picked Michigan at the at the tone of that game and, and just the fact that uh, uh, Alabama, and I think people have not brought this up enough, could have scored a touchdown in that last play if they just uh, followed the guard even after a low snap. So a lot to dig into, uh, but I, I love those semifinals. Yeah, well, let's, let's kind of go through the whole thing because, I mean, you, you have uh, such a keen analytical mind about these things. So uh, take us through uh, the, the nuances of the game and yeah. where it was won and lost. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you had Ariane earlier and he talked about the 18 five-stars in Alabama. Well, that's more than the entire Big Ten conference. So what you're seeing with Michigan was a team that was able to close the gap in the talent from the portal, from coaching. I mean, they have Ravens coaches. They have a nice little Harbaugh to Harbaugh coach borrowing scheme that I think has helped them quite a bit. They're able to develop what I consider NFL pressure, uh, NFL type pressure on defense, which I think is, is really important. Free runners all over the place. Um, but I think on the last play of the game, which is isolate that, I don't think 10 years ago that a stud tackle like J.C. Latham, I think he went to, to IMG, um, I don't think he could go against whoever uh, Michigan had and would get blown off the ball. Uh, but Michigan go out and get a Coastal Carolina transfer, blow him off the ball, uh, trip up uh, Milrow, who obviously got the, the low snap, and all of a sudden the season is over. That, to me, is the story of this playoff. Michael Penix, obviously a transfer quarterback. Um, what we're seeing is teams being able to take the recruiting trends of America, the recruiting trends of the last 150 years, and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We can bridge that gap with scheme, with portal talent, uh, with COVID eligibility in a lot of cases. Um, it's been really fascinating to watch. But I think that when I look at Michigan, they're a well-coached, tough team uh, with 15 NFL guys. You're talking about the talent disparity. That's coming out of high school. They have 15 guys right now draft on the on the draft board for pro football focus. That is phenomenal when you consider the recruiting trend. So what Harbaugh has done is he has built as close to a machine as you can get in the Midwest right now, and it's fascinating to watch. Uh, on the uh, on the Alabama side, Kevin, it's a different team, and but but it it's not that different. I mean, we we yeah. we're, we're, we don't see some of the 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 key skill position players that we have seen in the past but but as you addressed Ari it's still enormously talented why does it feel different from from a distance 
Well, first of all, if they had a better, a better center, we might be having a very different conversation <laughs> working on that. Uh, today. Yeah, and I think that uh, Noro's development over the season, um, I think, was important. And Nick Saban said it was one of the best developed teams over the course of the season he's ever had at Alabama. I think that's true. I think we started to tune out a little bit in September. You see the USF score. I don't know how many people have been watching that game. Um, but you see these little building blocks say, okay, this is not vintage Alabama. By November, started to talk ourselves into it. They have the hiccup against Auburn. They obviously probably should have lost that game. Um, just, just looking at some of the facts of it. It doesn't feel that way because I think the quarterback position and just the, the amount of talent they had lost. Um, I think everybody uh, at the top of college football makes it look easy now, whether that's Kirby, whether that's Nick, where you just reload with a bunch of five stars from IMG. Um, we're used to that. But what we're seeing now is that the world is a little bit flat in college football, Paul. Um, we're just seeing this get spread out a little bit more. I remember when I was a kid, everybody was talking about cable television flatten the world because now kids who would go to Florida or Florida State are going to Louisville because they can get on TV now easier. Um, but even before that, before I was born, scholarship limits and, and even putting games on TV at all. There's little incremental things that spread the talent around. Now you have the portal where if you're the third best player at Alabama at a given position, you go play at a Georgia Tech, you go play at a Tennessee. It's just a different world. And so you don't have that depth there. It's harder to reload year after year. It starts with the quarterback position always. Then it goes to the little nuances. Again, the center position will be upgraded, it sounds like. I think we, we had some breaking news in the last couple hours about that. Um, but again, even given all of this, Alabama could have very easily won the national championship. Just a couple of plays broke uh, broke right for them. And so that's the funny thing. Where, like, this is not time to panic in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban has got it handled. It's If this is the worst team right now uh, that Alabama is capable of having, they're doing pretty well, Paul. Well, that's true. But as you also know, Alabama is, is really judged by itself, and that is perfection. Yeah. And, you know, we, I started pointing out something earlier on some program that, hey, this, it's been three, Alabama's now gone three years without a national championship. <laughs> Mich, uh, that's the only time in the Saban era. I mean, Michigan's got yeah. like 100 years without one, but we don't make a big deal about it. And, and <laughs> the, the stat that blew me away was that I think uh, the last season that Alabama has not been ranked number one at some point, even a couple of times on the final day, was 2007. So that's why we are looking at this uh, and going, wow, Nick Saban's 72, he's this, he's mm -hmm. that, even though I think I just saw up on the recruiting trail, I think he's got two of the top three players coming in next year. Yeah, yeah um, and he's going to be able to do that for a long time. If you want to see a real fall from grace, uh, from my all-time great look what happened to the Patriots this year with Bill Belichick, where you think there's a floor on a legend like that that they can't go under, and all of a sudden they do, and the Patriots are going to have a top three pick in the draft next year, and Bill Belichick's going to leave. It turns very, very, very quickly. I think the most important thing is the standard is still the standard at Alabama. Yes, the world is changing around them as far as college football goes, but they still have this edge, and I think that if people are going to get spoiled with Nick Saban, um, I think that that's a, that's a mistake. Uh, I, I, I think that when Nick Saban is no longer there and we've seen I think we're certainly you and, and me we're, we're, we're old enough to remember when Alabama was not at this level um, and so this is all Saban he's still coaching at a really high level he's recruiting at a really high level he's scheming at a really high level I just think this was the year they were a little bit short I, I, I am not shorting Alabama stock at all any more than I would Georgia after this year where they lose to Alabama and then and then defeat Florida State by 60 points but Kevin, I think some of it is uh, that we, we, we look at last year and not to retread yeah. the two of the top three players taken in the draft, but 
that, that frustrates Alabama fans. Yeah. Another Alabama fan reminded me today, hey, do you realize this is the third year in a row Alabama has two losses? I'm like going, yeah. ooh, I just heard Brian Kelly say we were trying so hard to get a 10-win season. It's just <laughs> Alabama is in a different world as everyone else, or at least was. I don't know what, what the future brings, but they have been there. Yeah. I mean, and part of the two-loss thing is Kirby and the fact that this was always known that Georgia was a sleeping giant. If they ever got a guy who could install the Saban system, they got that, and all of a sudden Georgia can compete year in and year out. Obviously, they didn't have a loss um, to, to, to Georgia in the SEC championship game, but it's going to be you know almost half a loss as long as Georgia is in the SEC every single year and they play, and we'll see what happens with the divisions going forward and all of that stuff. Um, but I'm just saying when you have another giant in the conference, you might add a loss to the schedule every every year or so. So I, again, I, I don't I understand the panic. Um, I I'm a Miami fan, and I remember when I used to be able to panic over losses. Now that just happens quite a bit, uh, if you haven't noticed. Um, but I understand the standard being the standard. But I still think in this world, uh, Nick Saban is still able to conquer it. And I, I think he will again. I, I do not think we've seen Nick Saban's last national championship by any means. Interesting comment. Uh, speaking of Georgia. Uh, Suddenly, everybody thinks Georgia should have been in the playoffs. It seems like four weeks ago, it was, it was FSU. Uh, yeah. We did this in 2015 with Urban Myers, Ezekiel Elliott team, yeah. underperformed. Uh, what do you think the final uh, narrative is going to be on the University of Georgia this year? I, it's the same as Alabama. Um, and, and I remember I remember being at a Mike Tomlin press conference years ago, and it was after week 17, and and uh, they went nine and seven, I think. And, and he just said, the standard is the Super Bowl. And this is when they were really good. And I think that there's a couple of places, obviously the Steelers being one of them, um, where the standard is literally the mountaintop. And if you're below that, it nothing nothing matters. You're, the team is not remembered. If you go to a place like Georgia now or Alabama and you don't win a national championship, you are considered less than in the eyes of the history of the program in its context. And so I think that uh, are Georgia fans going to buy Orange Bowl t-shirts? Probably not. It's not a memory they like. I'm sure for recruiting, you know, you saw K.J. Bolden's comments about how glad he was to be committed to Georgia instead of Florida State where he'd committed earlier. Um, I'm sure that helps a little bit to send a little bit of a statement, especially when it's the backups and it's Will Muschamp's kid running wild in the Florida State defense. I'm sure that's sort of a, 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 a cosmetic victory. Um, but I think that anything short of national championship with how they recruit, how they coach, how they get these guys to the NFL is, is not acceptable. There's only two programs in the country who are judged like that, and neither of them are playing next Monday night. Finally, speaking of Monday night, Washington, uh, it, it's easy to, to dismiss them, and I have just because I, I like doing that. But uh, <laughs> as, you, as you look at this program uh, and yeah. its coach, who is remarkable, uh, what do you see? Uh, I mean, I, I see a special quarterback, first of all, um, in Michael Penix. And I think you're looking at a transformational guy. And I understand why he wasn't a huge prospect in the portal. He had a injury history. He has, you know, he's obviously older than most players in the portal, although with COVID, I mean, now there's some, some elder millennials up there. Um, he's an eighth-year guy on Miami next year. Um, but I think that there's, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's a testament to how quickly you can rebuild in modern college football. And the deep pass has been unbelievable. Um, his ability to evade sacks, to move in the pocket. I think the, the, the matchup to watch on Monday night is what happens when you have the deepest and fastest and toughest defensive line 
in college football, I think, in Michigan against a guy who can move in the pocket that smoothly and get rid of the ball quickly. That, by the way, Michigan can defend the pass really well. They have the best pass secondary in football. I don't, they don't even give up a, a touchdown a game in the air. Uh, it's better than anybody else. And so that's the chess match to me is Michael Penix against that Michigan def defense that can take away a lot of the things he does well. Great stuff. Kevin Clark, always uh, enjoyable. And uh, again, we're still mad at you for picking Michigan to win the game. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Great to see you. And we are going to take a short break. Um, more guests to come, including Nicole Auerbach, just back from Pasadena, the Big Ten view, as they have two teams. Well, it seems like they have two teams in the championship game, or they will the next time these two meet. We'll take a short break. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. And welcome back. Uh, John greets us next from St. Louis. So hello, John. Paul. Hey. Happy New, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Anyway, Paul, um, uh, this is going to be a pretty low-key call today. Probably disappointed with that. But my call today really kind of surrounds the uh, – uh, the NCAA, and I don't know if you call it their rules and regulations committee or their entourage of senior leadership about, you know, what their processes and procedures are to really evaluate uh, infractions against the take place and how they really go about that. And I, I didn't know if any time you maybe wanted to have someone on the show that could kind of go through that with us and help, help especially help me because I'm pretty dense, but. I, I, there's just so much, uh, we're not on a level playing field here. And, you know, the, the programs that people have talked about over the years and the stuff going on with the Michigan program and now 
Mr. Self out in Kansas University, you know, he's probably, you know, he's got a really good chance of winning it all again this year. I mean, this is just kind of a broken record, and I, I, I'm just at a loss to uh, really figure out how it all works. I mean, and and if they're not going to impose infractions, why don't they just do away with all of it and let everybody do what they want to do? And, uh, you know, it's a free-for-all. So uh, it, it's very uh, frustrating to me to see the, I think, pretty incompetence of the infraction committee and uh, just lack of any concrete uh, action on their part. Well, John, there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, but the NCAA is really not uh, a power broker anymore. The conference commissioners have all the power, although the NCAA still has uh, a number of important aspects in terms of the rules. And what they also don't have is an enforcement division. Uh, when was the last time you heard the NCAA legitimately investigating something? The last time I'm aware of something was probably 10 years ago when they stepped all over the University of Missouri for a, t- a tutor. We bought exactly a tutor right. lunch or something, and they and put us on probation. What they also do is they force the school to throw themselves under the bus, and if they don't do it, they can't do anything about it. So I, I would argue any school that self-reports and legitimately turns themselves in is, is, is stupid uh, because the NCAA right. doesn't have the, the power or the wherewithal or the investigative uh, teeth to do it on their own because they're afraid of one thing, litigation. Well, that's what it comes down to, Paul. Have a good day, sir. Thank you. Have a good day yourself. Matt in Austin is up next. Good afternoon, Matt. Hey, Paul. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Hey, well, congratulations to Washington. They were the better team in Michael Penix. But there is a silver lining, Paul, for Longhorn fans. By losing this game, we have brought joy and a glimmer of hope to the bedraggled, forlorn, you know, godforsaken folks down in College Station, Texas. I've seen many posts on social media uh, from Aggies, young and old, just joyful, happy, and, and you know, at Texas, we, we delight in bringing joy and happiness to the world. I mean, if you're A&M, first of all, you got boat raced in the SEC. You know, maybe, maybe you finished ahead of Vanderbilt. Um, you had everybody bail out. You got embarrassed by Oklahoma State. You paid Jimbo $76 billion. And there hasn't been a lot of good news lately in College Station. So we in Austin are just happy, Paul, uh, that by losing the hard-fought game in the playoff, we have brought the first laughter and hope and smiles to really uh, kind of a bedraggled area of the college football world. So that's the silver lining in our loss, Paul. Matt, I think there's a lot. To me, uh, I was hoping Texas would win for a lot of reasons, but uh, – they, they did what they set out to do this year, and most important, they're entering the SEC on, on a tremendous high, and that's going to take them a long way. That, that's right, and we do have something to talk about, you know, that's more recent than John David Crow or yep. Ed Hargett, you know, or things that, that, that A&M well, folks Matt, don't, uh, don't talk quiet, about. Don't, so. don't leave out the poster child for all good, Johnny Manziel. That's right, and... Um, and as I look forward to the renewal of our rivalry 
with A&M uh, next fall, uh, Paul, in the, in the SEC, I just want to remind them, Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker, it's good, <laughs> and it's goodbye to A&M. You got to know uh, A&M uh, Texas history to, to uh, catch that director. You'll, you'll see that you'll see that kick quite a few times as we get toward uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Let's uh, grab Steve in Georgia. You're on the air. Hello, Steve. Hey, good afternoon, Paul. Uh, how are you? Long time fan here. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say I think these Alabama fans are taking it real good on this loss. Better than I thought. It just seems like everybody blames on the. Offensive coordinator in North Carolina, like uh, your guys, I believe Nick Saban made the highest call, you know. And uh, a point game like that. And then uh, going to the end of the game. But what are your thoughts on this 12 man team next year? How will the SEC have a conference champion? Well, nothing will change uh, on that front. Uh, you'll, what you'll do is, well, something will change. You'll end up with the two best, uh, the two highest ranked teams. I think that's how it's going to be chosen. And then the, the SEC championship game, and, and then we're on to the playoffs. By the way, there is some news today. Since Alabama was in the playoffs, uh, you, you had a slight delay on the portal, but uh, ESPN reporting at this hour that McLaughlin uh, expected, he's the center. The freshman quarterback, Eli Holstein, who uh, many people were very high on, offensive lineman Terrence, Terrence Ferguson, among those who are hitting the portal. Dave is up next in Georgia. Hello, Dave. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I was just curious about what alternate matrix is everybody in that watched that Bama-Michigan game the other night? Because what they were seeing and what I was seeing was two different things. Yes, Michigan jumped on Bama to begin with, but from that field goal to end the, uh, the first half, Bama was on a roll, and Bama had the momentum. Bama was up 2013 and driving to make it 23 or 27 to 13 when the fumble occurred. That and that correct. sucked the momentum right out of Alabama. And then big games, momentum, saving coaches' momentum. If you score once, let's put two or three on them. And that sucked the momentum out of them. And then they had three defensive uh, coverage bust after that when, when, uh, when uh, Michigan went down and tied the game 2020. You know, and it was like, the Alabama sideline just deflated with the fumbles. And that was the momentum buster that, that altered the whole game, regardless of anything else that happened. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, and any coach will tell you, uh, I've asked Kirby Smart, I've asked Saban, I've asked a lot of coaches, like, what, what's the key to a game? And they always say that it's, it's the momentum shifts and, and how, you, how you embrace them or, or let them uh, take you out. It's so critical in a big-time football game. Uh, by the way, nine players overall in the portal for Alabama. Uh, we'll go over some of the other names later, but I gave you the main ones. Let's uh, check in with Mary, who is in Birmingham. Hello, Mary. Hey, Paul. I'm Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank um, you. <laughs> I have tried to call so many times, and every time it seemed like I got, I got bumped. So, uh, you know, how those things happen. I just wanted to say as an Alabama fan, I am really proud of them. Um, they have done so much this year. And I think about it just, 
just the very fact that we we beat Auburn on practically the last play of the game with the fourth and you know the the big fourth and thirty one and we beat Georgia. I mean, you know, that's to me uh, huge. We beat Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU. So I am not going to complain. I would have loved to see them get another national championship because one of the things Coach tells Miss Terry is when they win a national championship, they go to Habitat for Humanity and put up a house. And that is huge. So I was hoping for that too. But as a player, um, I know that they're they're hanging their heads low and they're feeling very dejected, but there's next year and uh we're gonna we're gonna be back. So just wanted to say roll tide. Thank you very, very much, Mary. We'll take a short break. We have more guests to come, uh more of your phone calls. Busy afternoon here, right smack in the middle of the first week of twenty twenty four. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we are back. Jim is up next in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hey, Paul. How are you today? We are doing great. Thank you for checking in from the north. Hey, do you feel like you're doing triage in the ER these past couple days? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm part of a triage unit. <laughs> hey, well, listen, okay. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not one that likes to blow my own horn or anything, but you know, on Friday I did call and tell you that Michigan would win the game and they would lean on Alabama, which is exactly what that defensive line did. It's just interesting listening to all your callers make excuses, this, that, or the other. But you were there, Paul. Did you see any difference in the speed between the two teams? No, I didn't. Uh, And that's what I thought was going to be the key to the game. It turned out not to be uh, a big factor. Right. Well, you know, our receiver caught the ball. He's only had one touchdown all year and just took it right down the sidelines. Was there any big difference in the physicality of the two teams? Only uh, that Michigan looked uh, more physical. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's just we're at a point now where, um, you know, I I like comparisons. We we talked earlier this year about Ted Kaczynski and Jim from Tuscaloosa. It's kind of similar. I have a comparison for Nick Saban, if you'll allow me to express it. Of course. 
Um, I like golf, and I know you're a big golfer, and so one of my favorite golfers of all time is the crusty old German Bernard Longer, right? The guy has won majors. He's a great player, but he's he's old. He's he's long in the tooth. And but what is interesting about Longer is that occasionally he'll make the cut at Augusta National, or he'll make a cut at the British Open. But we know that he will never win anything of any consequence anymore just because he's he's past his prime. Saban is the greatest coach of all time. That, but this is not a lifetime achievement award. Um, he is never, in my opinion, going to win anything of any consequence at this point in his career. Just look at the SEC. Everybody or many of the teams have have caught up to Alabama. Georgia's already ahead. Ole Miss is nipping at the heels. LSU's right there. Oklahoma, Texas, and so forth. So I, I don't know. These these callers are talking about officials and next year and this and that and the other, but every other team is getting better, and Nick Saban is getting older. And like longer, he'll make a cut occasionally, but in my opinion, he's never going to do anything more than he's already done. And, and that's not an indictment on his career. That's just the reality of of life. Wouldn't you agree with that, Paul? By the way, I think, I think Bernhard did uh, – he won the – didn't he win the U.S. Senior uh, Open this year? But uh, that's a senior. Uh, the, the only uh, – I, I, I let callers respond. I have a long response, but I, I, I don't want to uh, – every, every caller, my estimation, is entitled to their opinion, and, and I want people to feel comfortable – in giving one, but I, I do think Jim will have a response to you if you want to uh, stay near your uh, TV, and I think we'll we'll have it pretty quickly. It was it was I mean it was a I didn't I mean Bernhard Lager uh, I mean Jim uh, Nick Saban. Well, I tell you, I'm going to stay out of the way because because uh, I think we got somebody that can handle it better than me. Uh, Jim is up next. Another Jim. What what are we handling, Paul? I, I'm kind of lost. Oh well, this guy just said that Nick Saban was essentially Bernhard Longer that he was never going to win. And he again. compared me to to some. Some food. No, 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 he compared Nick, compare? Sa- Nick Saban to Bernhard Longer. Uh, no, but this, this, this Jim from Ann Arbor, he just compared me to some f- Excuse me. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim was off to a good start. Uh, unlike other ESPN shows, we have a policy here that we, do, we, we don't allow our, our, our callers to curse. We do let them come back later if they're, if they're remorseful. Um, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, Curtis is in Chattanooga. Hello, Curtis. Hey, Paul. How you doing? First of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, Looking forward to uh, seeing you up on Rocket Top this year. Um, Paul, I'm I'm, I'm thrilled for what I've seen of Nico at the bowl game, and I was glad he finally got his opportunity. And uh, I think, uh, and I'm glad to hear that uh, uh, Boo McCoy coming back uh, I, I think we're going to have a special year up on Rocket Top this year. Well, I, th- I feel really good about it. Uh, I, of all the Tennessee games this year, the two that bugged me the most, I, I didn't I didn't understand the Florida game. That's a game Tennessee should have won. And it was just the performance against Missouri that troubled me. But I felt like uh, even – I mean, the Alabama game was there to win. Uh, they let it get right. away. But it was still a pretty good effort. And I thought the grittiness uh, of the A&M game was, 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 was commendable. So uh, 
I think I think Tennessee got. I, I think they they were. I, I think they came one win short of what they should have done, and that was the Florida game. Right. But uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to a great year. Uh, you have a great year, Paul. Thank and, you very uh, much. Enjoy meeting you and, and hope to see you again. Curtis, I'll look forward to it. Okay, uh, Jim is back. I let something slip out, Paul, but, you know, sometimes you get – I don't know if you do, but hey, Jim, I'm just I, – uh, I want you to know, I, don't, I didn't really have a problem with it, but we just – you understand. You understand. Well, I sure I understand. I said, I, said the, I said the epitome of one of the worst words you can say. Well, I mean, you know, it's commonly used, but it's – it's not a it's not a word that needs to be on the radio and or TV and I just I, I literally didn't even know I was saying it I was so mad at what I heard the guy say that's you understand that I'm sure I don't do. you I, I was uh, pretty upset too but once I saw that you were about to call I I decided you could do a better job than me well what I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I'm what I'm trying to do a job on because all I was hearing was him comparing me to some some uh, some Criminal thug, you know, that's all. Isn't that what he did? Uh, yes, that's correct. Well, what am I to say about that? I mean, this the guy's a fool, Paul. Jim from Ann Arbor, you are a raving, blithering, blithering fool. Idiot, idiot. I'm, I'm telling you, y'all, y'all are not even, Paul, these kind of people should not be on the radio. That kind of person is, is insane. And A-Up, and you could tell the tone of his cocky voice talking about how he, he predicted uh, Michigan to do this, lean on Alabama, you know, so what? Alabama had the worst game they've ever had in a championship form under Nick Saban that game. It was horrible. It Was it not, Paul? Tell the truth. Uh, it was it horrible. It was, and I know the, the, the response to many is, well, they, they still could have won, but that was only because Michigan tried to give the game away. Well, like, like, like somebody said earlier, when they, fumbled, when, when they had to fumble, and they were literally headed down, I think, without a doubt in my mind, they were headed down, they were already leading by seven, headed down to another touchdown probably, and then that fumble came. And Miller had his worst game. I'm just going to tell it like it is. That's what I do. He had a horrible game. His head was somewhere else. I don't know. I thought he, was, I thought he had gained to the point where he was steady and confident each game going better and better, and he fell back. Even beyond Texas, that's how bad I thought he played. What do you agree with that? I mean, do you uh, agree yeah, with that or not? So, uh, just... I'll let you know when I disagree. <laughs> well, you know I, I know how to call it, and I, I'm calling it right. I don't care what people think. I tell it like it is. I know about ball. I played ball. I know good ball, and I know bad ball. And I know good callers, and I know bad callers. And I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think people, some people agree with me. You wrote in the book. I know what I'm talking about. I'm compelling. I am that. I'm not bragging. But you got these morons like J.K. getting on here every day, putting down everybody. I don't do that. I don't. I, I don't like any caller that goes after some team or person all the time. Like Legion, he's another one. You love him. I can't stand him because he's a thug. But anyway, I, I get. I digress too much. What? What is the main point I'm trying to get at? You wanted me to get to. Well, I, I just thought uh, you were calling to respond to, to that guy from Ann Arbor, and that's exactly what you Well, did. that's who I – yeah, right, exactly, exactly. For him to, to – when I heard him compare me, you know, I'm not the greatest guy in the world, but for him to try to compare me to some, some scumbag thug worse than – as bad as, as Hitler or somebody, you know what I mean. That just burnt my – you know, I don't I, – I, I, how can I keep from getting so mad about things like that? 
Well, I mean, that, by the way, it, I don't think you should. I think it's healthy to get it out of your system. It's good for your heart. Well, I don't know, Paul. People say, you know, I, I don't go crazy, but I just get, I get furious when I hear some, some fool say something like it. Tell me about that. Help me, help me with that. I need help on that. Tell me, well, give, well, give me some counsel. Remember, Jim, I, I'm the wrong person because uh, I... You've done it. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to call myself a professional because that sounds... No, funny. I was about to say, you are a professional, Paul. Well, I'm not. That, I mean, this is what I do. Uh, I mean, I had somebody say, man, I don't know how you could do that. And I'm like going, well, <laughs> this is my job. Uh, I'm ho- I hope I'm a professional. I, I certainly strive to be. I, 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 I'll say this, Paul. I, I want to say this. You brought it up. You open doors for, when you talk sometimes, when, you, when we're compa- talking like we're doing now. I'll say this. I believe with all my heart, I, without a doubt, I wouldn't be able to say a lot, most of the things I say if I was getting paid, which you are. And I'm not putting you down. No. But you know that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Well, if I, I was I getting paid. I'll a story, Jim, concerning golf. I, I, I remember because I, used to, I, I, used, I got to know him pretty well. I played golf with him a couple of times in these pro-ams. But there's this old story about 50 years ago uh, where Lee Trevino, you remember Lee, he was oh, absolutely. Uh, he was great. He was, at, he was at the practice tee, and this lady just kept ooing and awing. And he finally walked over. He said, "Are you okay?" He said, and she said, "Man, you're, you're, you, I can't believe how well you strike the ball." And he said, "Hey, lady, I'm the reigning U.S. Open champion. What do you expect? Ground balls?" <laughs> what do you expect? What? He said, "What do you expect? Ground balls?" Uh, I told you this. I told you. I told you. You'll go to you go to a, a golf tournament and, and uh, at the practice team, yeah. we're marveling. That's what, these guys practice ten hours a day. That's what they're supposed to do. I know, and, and it's so funny when I've got this story that I've already told you fifteen about fifteen years ago. I mean, he said this totally comparing to what you're saying about the the lady. Another lady is out on the golf course, and he uh, he, he hits the ball in, in her area. And he's about to, he starts to hit his, he hits his, he hits his next shot. And she, she says, this, he, oh, he says, he says a cuss word. And she said, um, um, you know, like some lady, you know, um, you, how dare you, you know, that tone of voice, how dare you say that in front of me? And he looked at her when she did that. And he said, excuse me, lady, I thought you were a tree. <laughs> you remember that? He I said that. that story. That is and I told funny. you that story. But anyway, uh, well, I'm glad I can get I back on a happy. Some guy, I can't remember his name now, uh, in, in another one of these deals. And I, I don't know, I'm like 90 yards out, and I hit a shot about four feet away. And this guy hit it in the sand trap. And I just kind of, I said, man, I said, I had a better, uh, looks like I'm better than you are. And he said, hey, buddy, if you want, I can, I can tell you where you, where you can send your application if you want to go to qualifying school. And <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. Who said that? We didn't, we didn't speak the rest. Of, I mean, I was trying to be funny, and the guy who, who said that, Paul? Who said that to you? Um. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I 
really don't remember the guy's name. He was not great. He was uh, not a great player, I can assure you. It wasn't Torino, but in a pro am. This was like in one of these uh yeah. celebrity deals. And yeah. I was I mean, I thought I was being funny, like, hey man, uh, but those guys never they, they, they don't joke about it. Hey, Jim, they just told me if we don't break now, they're going to cut into us. So thanks for the call. We're coming right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We're back, and Joe calls us next from Knoxville, Tennessee. Hello, Joe. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? We are doing great. Good. Um. So I know you're a big Vols fan, and I'm uh, I'm currently at Tennessee, and so you've seen the progress between uh, Hendon to uh, Joe, and then now the Polynesian Prince. And I just wanted to know, like, what you think the future of the Vols looks like this next season, especially with this tough schedule they got. Uh, I think it looks great. Uh, I think you, you know, we, we felt really great a year ago after after Joe Milton uh, led Tennessee to the win over Clemson. I think we we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, but. I think Nico, yeah, yeah. Uh, who really wasn't great at the beginning of the season, according to people that I know saw him in practice, and, and the reason for that was he, he was young. He's, he's no longer young. He's got experience. He's got a big game under his belt, and I expect big things from him. I mean, I'm sure sitting under Joe, sat under Hendon, he got a lot of progression after that, which is good for him especially. I mean, once he puts on a little bit of weight. I mean, after seeing him during against Iowa, which is tough, Top five defense. I think we have a promising, promising balls team next year. Yeah, you, I mean, you're right about Iowa. I mean, they, they do have a really good defense. Uh, they they have possibly the worst offense I have ever seen. In in the three games Iowa played ranked teams this year, they were outscored 92 to nothing. We are going to stop here for a minute. We have uh, Nicole Arabak coming up in a few minutes, who covered the game for the Athletic in Pasadena. Also does a lot of work on the Big Ten uh, NBC broadcast, and we'll talk to her in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 